Friendship isn't the big things, it's a million little things. Hello friends, and welcome to this, A Million Little TV Shows podcast. I'm Mike, and I'll be delving into TV shows that I feel don't seem to get enough love. Over the course of the pod, we'll break down episodes and talk about my thoughts and feelings on the shows. A Million Little Things stars David Gintoli as Eddie Seville, Romney Malco as Rome Howard, Alison Miller as Maggie Bloom, Christina Moses as Regina Howard, Grace Park as Catherine Kim, James Roday Rodriguez as Gary Mendez, Stephanie Sostak as Delilah Dixon, Tristan Bayon as Theo Seville, Lizzie Green as Sophie Dixon, and Chance Hurstfield as Danny Dixon. So, here we are guys, we're at the halfway point of A Million Little Things Season 2. Now, today's episode is going to be another long one, because we've got five episodes to cover, from from episode 10 to episode 14. Now, this season seems to have a bit more meat to it when it comes to the periphery characters, people like Sophie and Danny and Theo. And these next few episodes are very heavy on those characters, so we're going to give a bit more context to who they are. Because I know in the intro that I didn't actually name these characters, and I think it's about time that I did, since they are quite integral to the show, and especially going forward. So, Theo is played by Tristan Bayon, Sophie is played by Lizzie Green, and Danny is played by Chance Hurstfield. So like I say, this is going to be a long one, so I think it's best we get into it straight away. But first of all, I hope you're doing well out there. Um, I know the world is going through a tough time at the moment, and I hope everyone is okay. Episode 10, The Kiss. So picking up from where we left off, Catherine takes Sophie home. After the whole guitar smashing thing and the absolute anger with which she showed for Eddie, Catherine tells her that she understands her anger. It seems that it's something that Catherine probably would have wanted to do. And if she'd have been a teenager at the time, she'd have probably done the same. As soon as Sophie gets home, she barges past her mum and essentially tells her that the reason that her dad's not there is because she essentially killed him by what she's done. We cut to three months later and Sophie is still acting out. She's not coming home at night. She's currently working at the restaurant for Gina, but is taking longer and longer to get home. And Sophie and Dee are really not in a good place. But Danny, as always, is the one who's trying to keep them together. He's got his play coming up. So previously, we've seen that he auditioned for Greece and he got the lead as Danny Zuko. So now, at the present moment we're in, he's about to do his first performance of that show. So he's really nervous and he just wants the family to come together so that he can get through this. Since Eddie and Catherine have started looking after Charlie more, Catherine sees Dee quite a lot and feels really guilty about the fact that she's done this to her and Sophie. And especially since Dee knew this could go wrong if they told the kids, and yet she was ignored. But unfortunately, hindsight is a wonderful thing. I mean, let's face it, the kids weren't going to be happy anyway, but there should have been a better way to do this. So because it's Danny's opening night, Sophie is refusing to go because Dee's going to be there, which is heartbreaking for Danny because... Sophie's always been the one that's been by his side since his dad died. 
since their dad died, really. So to have his big sister not be at his opening night is devastating for him. But Gina speaks to Sophie and tries to convince her that she should be there for Danny. She's always been there for Danny, so why should now be any different? And it seems to make some sense to Sophie that she should be there for Danny. But Sophie also tells Gina that it's not her mum that she's bothered about. She sees her all the time because they live in the same house. It's the fact that she's going to have to see Eddie because Eddie will be there. That's the thing that's affecting her the most. But Sophie does go and she goes with Gina. But when she gets there, she ignores everyone and just heads into the auditorium to go and sit in a seat. Before the play, Danny starts speaking to Gary about how he's nervous because he's going to be having a kiss on stage with this girl and he doesn't want it to be his first kiss with someone that doesn't matter to him. He wants it to be with Elliot because he's someone he cares about. And backstage, Danny actually speaks to Elliot for the first time properly and tells him that he hates the way that he was treated by him and that he really cared for him and that it's not fair what he did and that he wanted his first kiss to be with him, not on stage with someone that he doesn't even like. And Elliot kisses him. The play goes really well and Danny's excellent in the role. Sophie congratulates Danny, but walks out as soon as Dee comes over, and Dee ends up going after her. Sophie yells at Dee and Eddie, because Eddie follows on, and tells Dee that she doesn't want to live with her anymore. So by the end of the episode, we see that Sophie is actually living with Gina and Rome going forward. So as I've said, Eddie and Catherine have started to look after Charlie more, and they get a package from Eddie's sister and it's filled with baby stuff and it seems like a really sweet gesture until you realise that Eddie's sister's got a bit of a past. Now we all do but it seems to be something that isn't good for Eddie and the fact that she's never met Theo is a bit of a giveaway. Catherine tells Eddie it's not a good idea for him to have his sister around and the reason for it is is because of the drinking culture around her. She was his drinking buddy before and it could be dangerous for him to be around her because she's an alcoholic just like he is, but she hasn't dealt with her issues like he has, so it wouldn't be good for him or the family. So because Theo knows that, obviously, he has an aunt, but doesn't know why he hasn't met her, they keep telling him because, oh, she's just busy. Catherine and Eddie decide to sit down, tell Theo exactly why he hasn't met his aunt. So they tell him that she's an alcoholic, but Eddie also confesses that he's an alcoholic. Now, Theo is such a sensitive child that he starts to think that something might happen with his dad and that he doesn't ever want that to go wrong. But Catherine and Eddie reassure him. But still, towards the end of the episode, Eddie tells Catherine that he wants to reach out to her because he hopes that maybe he can help. The first time we see Roman and Gina in the episode, we actually see them with a child. It's a very young child and it's to subvert your expectations. So, because three months has now passed, we're led to believe that this is their baby. But actually what's happening is they've got someone who's come over from the foster company, um, the social care, the care workers, um, and they are just checking out Gina and Rome's home just to make sure that everything's okay and that everything looks good and that there's nothing sort of that stands out to make them think that they wouldn't be good parents and the child is actually the woman's who is assessing them but throughout Rome is just terrible like he gets so nervous around the child and he's there's a better example a bit later on in this episode of the podcast 
but also like I think it's episode thirteen, and I just feel like Romani Malco did so well just being this really nervous, awkward person. It was brilliant. But it turns out that Gina has lied on the application, where under medical history, she's basically not told them about Rome, A, trying to kill himself, or B, the fact that he's on antidepressants. And he's worried about that because he wants to make sure that he can give the child the best version of himself, and he doesn't want to ruin this by lying to the people who are essentially going to give them a child but he's also now worried about how Gina sees him because she's omitted this for some reason so he asks Gina if she thinks that he is less qualified to be a father and he tells her that he wants to set a good example for this child and the best start would be that he wasn't lying to the people that were going to help them get there and so he asks if she'll change the forms, which at the end of the episode, she tells him that she's done. She too sees that it would be bad to lie to these people, but also she didn't think that it would affect Rome the way that it did. And again, we are now three months on, and the first shot we see of Gary is he is sat in a hospital gown on a table waiting for some results from a doctor. Of course, with Gary's history, we can assume the worst, and that's what they're meant to be portraying to you in this scene. But of course, as I said at the end of the last episode, Gary has started to become sexually active again. So because of that, he's ended up in a clinic getting tested for STDs. Thankfully, he has got the old Clear, but it goes without saying that he should be wrapping it up, dirty little boy that he is. Eric and Maggie are still hanging out, and at this point, Maggie is writing her dating profile. She knows that Gary's back out there, and although she doesn't feel like it's the right time to be doing so, she wants to be active in this. But she knows that the dating situation is going to be awkward because she's going to have to show someone new her scars and that's not something that she really wants to deal with. The woman behind the bar sees how they are together and tells them, why aren't you two dating? You're obviously good for each other. And things get awkward because Maggie says to her, he's got my brother's heart. And the woman thinks, oh, he's gay. She says, no, he's actually got my brother's heart. It's an organ transplant. And the woman just turns away like, Okay, but it also seems to get a little bit awkward between Maggie and Eric too, as it's probably not been suggested to them yet, but they did seem to have good chemistry. While Gary's on the phone to Rome, just talking to him about general stuff, Gary almost gets run over by a car at a stop sign, and he bangs on the car, yells, but the car doesn't stop, it just drives off. He's just getting pissed off because he's like, someone's going to have an accident. Maggie decides that she's definitely going to sign up to the dating app and she begins swiping left and right, as you do. Generally, she was swiping for no's, but she comes across Gary's profile and instantly just puts the phone down. She doesn't want to deal with that or the thought of that right now. Gary has become heavily involved in Danny's play and he's actually been helping make the sets so he's been at the school quite a lot and while he's been there he's actually started dating Danny's teacher and when Danny catches him kissing his teacher he calls him out on it and calls him out on his bullshit basically because everyone's noticed that Gary has been off since him and Maggie split up and that he's just not being the same Gary that everyone knew. This is where Danny tells Gary about the fact that he's worried about his first kiss which 
we've already covered and that he wants it to be with someone that he cares about and he tells Gary that a kiss is meant to be important and that's why and that's why Danny can't get his head around the fact that Gary's just randomly kissing his teacher later on that evening Maggie eventually turns up at the play and Gary ignores her which is obviously very mature of him but everyone else is super happy to see Maggie they all head inside to go and watch Danny do his play and while they go in Gary goes over to his seat and sees that Sophie sat in it because obviously she has the issue with D. So Gary tries to get her to move, go back to her own seat and sit with her mother. And when Sophie refuses, he tells her basically that you, you've got to grow up, you've got to deal with her at some point. But okay, just for now, I'll go and sit there. And then he turns around and of course, he will be sat in the middle of D and Maggie. So he quickly tries to get Sophie to change her mind, but Sophie isn't budging. So he now has to go and sit next to Maggie. They exchange pleasantries, but that's about it. And during the interval, Maggie confronts Gary and tells him that she's worried about him. She's heard the things that's been going on and she just wants to check he's okay. But he asks her how long it was before she called Eric after they split up. And Maggie tells him it was about five minutes because he is literally the only person that I know in Boston that isn't one of your friends. And actually, she hoped that Gary would have changed his mind before she had to tell them that they'd split up again. After the play, Danny comes over and speaks to Gary and tells him that he had his first kiss. And Gary's like, yeah, no, bud, we all saw it. It was on stage. And he tells him, no, wasn't that. And he tells him that Elliot has kissed him. And Danny tells him, look, you were there for me when I didn't even know I was gay. You were there for me when I came out, and you would have been there for me throughout this whole thing with Elliot. And Danny tells him that he'll be there for him when he needs to tell him that he's in love with Maggie still. After Gary leaves and he's walking home, he gets angry at another car because, once again, doesn't stop at the stop sign and almost runs him down. This is also after going on the dating app and seeing that Maggie has a profile. But this time the car stops. The driver gets out and just as Gary's giving it the big, come on then, come on then you big bastard, come on then, the guy pulls a gun. Nothing else, pulls a gun and Gary backs off. The guy gets back in his car and leaves and Gary realises how lucky he actually was. Maggie, however, is over at Eric's. And after Eric confesses that he hasn't been with anyone since Chloe, his ex, Maggie kisses him, but he pulls away and she thinks it's too soon for him and it's probably too soon for her and that she's embarrassed herself and she sort of quickly packs up her stuff and leaves. But then we realise the reason that Eric couldn't have gone any further with what was going on as he takes his shirt off in a mirror and reveals that he has no scar above his heart, which means that he's never had any heart transplant. Episode 11, We're the Howards. So now that Rome and Gina have started the process of actually becoming foster parents, they have to shoot a video, a bit like an application, something that stands out, something that makes people want to go, I want to have my child adopted by these people. But of course, Rome is a professional director, so he's trying to get everything perfect, and ends up taking about 17 takes. But they absolutely nail it. Until they realise that, because Sophie's living with them, she's just sat in the background eating cereal throughout the whole thing. So they have to go again. But Sophie asks if she can bring a friend over to Rome and Gina's that night to study. And they're all for it. The friend comes over and Sophie tells Rome and Gina that she's going to go downstairs and study in the common area. But actually, it turns out that they end up getting drunk together. 
Sophie starts throwing up and Rome knows that he's going to have to speak to Dee about this. So he calls her just to give her a heads up. Dee at this point, it's probably best that I mention it now, she's in quite a lot of the scenes but isn't isn't doing a lot in them. And she is doing a lot but she's not doing a lot at the same time. There's not a lot of stuff going on for her but the character is trying to get Charlie to sleep through the night. So she's using lots of different tactics to keep the baby awake. So, like I say, she's doing a lot as the character, but not doing a lot in the acting sense. So that's sort of where her story is throughout this episode. But since she's trying to keep the baby awake, Dee takes the baby and goes over to Gina's. But Gina tells her that she's got this. And Dee asks her to make sure that there's a little bit of punishment involved. She says, don't worry, there will be. The next morning, Gina and Rome wake Sophie up by playing loud music right in her ear. And then they tell her that she's got to get up as soon as possible because she's got a softball game and she is going whether she likes it or not. Throughout the game, Rome's filming and a guy thinks that he's a pervert. So he comes over to him and confronts him, saying that he's never seen him at the softball games before and why is he filming? Now, again, these friends are so tight that... Rome had to be at some point at the softball games. You've got to have seen him around. But anyway, the guy's a little bit racist and he's a little bit of an arsehole. And Gary ends up stepping in and punches him because, of course, Gary at the minute is just itching for a fight. And Rome and Gary end up getting arrested. While they're in the back of the car, Rome tells Gary that they live very different lives. It's okay for Gary as a white guy. Gary's technically Hispanic, but... In this case, he's very white. So it's okay for Gary as a white guy to be like out in a hoodie or just really casual. Whereas Rome feels that he has to dress up all the time and he has to show himself and he has to show his face and that he can't just hide behind a baseball cap one day if he wants to because he always feels like he's going to get picked out of a crowd. He's going to get picked on. He's going to be the one that probably ends up in the cop car because he's black. And that's a horrible situation for any guy or girl to be in. Like, the fear that you must have to just walk around and think that people are thinking you're going to steal things or you're going to beat someone up or anything. I mean, look, I get it a little bit myself. Like, I'm, you know, I'm from an English-Irish background. But if I go shopping, I will always get a receipt just in case just in case anything happens. So to be a black man and to have to cover your ass even more just to make sure that people don't accuse you of stealing something, it must be horrible. I feel so sorry for them. Rome tells Gary that he also feels that he's messing up people's lives and he needs to sort himself out. While at the softball game, Dee is sat with Gina and they're talking about Sophie and what can be done about the whole situation that they're currently in. But Dee just hands her a slip of paper Later on, at the end of the episode, Gina makes some food for Sophie. And as she does, Sophie tastes it and goes, this is my favourite, how did you know? And then realises it was Dee 
to actually set this up and she seems thankful for it. So before all of this with Gary ended up hitting someone while defending Rome and ended up in the back of a police car, he's been having quite a rough morning. It looks like he's had a fun night the night before but then gets kicked out of the apartment that he's in as the woman rushes off to work. On the way he bumps into Eric at a coffee shop and Eric's been picking up some drinks. Gary sees that Eric has a coffee for himself and what looks to be a coffee for Maggie because it's her order. So he assumes that that's where he's going next. Maggie, however, is sat with Dee and she tells her that she kissed Eric. And she also tells her that she thought that her and Gary would still be together after everything that had gone on. But now Gary's got a bee in his bonnet about this whole situation with Eric. And Gary goes and finds something out about him after doing some research online. So Gary goes over to the music shop and confronts Eric and tells him that he knows about his wrongful death suit against his girlfriend and they end up getting into a bit of a scuffle but out of the back Eric's colleague comes through and backs up Eric and it's at this point that he realises that it wasn't for Maggie the drink is sat on the counter and it's for this guy that he's working with later on Gary's telling the whole story to Dee and Gina but when he mentions about Maggie he sees something flash across Dee's face and then he realises that something has actually gone on between the two of them but he's unsure of what just yet but Gary being Gary sees the worst and it's not long after this that he ends up punching the guy and getting arrested now Rome thankfully is let go Gary ends up getting taken to the cells and while he's there he calls Catherine because obviously Catherine's a lawyer and Catherine agrees to come down to the station and help him out but at that time Maggie is sat with Eddie and Catherine and so she goes with Catherine to go and meet Gary and get him out of the cells. But as soon as Gary sees her, he tells her that she shouldn't have bothered, which brings the wrath of Catherine down on him because she yells at him and tells him that he's out of order and he really needs to start getting his shit together. The reason that they put him down as Theo's guardian is because they thought he could be responsible, but he's just not at the minute and they need him to get back to that person. Right at the end of the episode, we see Gary ends up throwing out Maggie's stuff as a way of trying to move on. First time we see Eddie, he's sat at his old record label. And as he is, a girl comes and sits opposite him. And they have a little bit of banter back and forth. But essentially she's never heard of his band. He tells of the song that he wrote a year earlier. And she recognises the song. But obviously he didn't perform the song. Because the agency took the song and gave it to someone else. And then just before his meeting, this girl gets called in before him and Eddie's meeting actually gets cancelled. Catherine gets a call about Theo being in a fight at school. So Catherine and Eddie both turn up at the school to find out that Theo wasn't bullied, but Theo was actually the bully. So when Eddie tries to speak to Theo about this, he clams up, doesn't want to talk about anything. And it seems that Dee isn't the only one who has a child acting out right now. Even though his meeting got cancelled, Eddie gets quite a good opportunity. The record label that he went to want him to be a mentor for the girl he met in the lobby called Dakota. And it's not really what Eddie wants, but when Catherine says she thinks that it would be a good idea, he gets on board with it. Eddie and Catherine speak to Maggie and she comes over to see Theo. As she sat talking with Theo, he tells her that everything keeps changing and he gets scared because things are changing too quickly. And he also tells her that he hears a lot of things that go on in that house, but he just keeps it all locked up. Maggie goes and tells Eddie and Catherine that Theo is so scared of change that if he speaks up, 
He's so scared of change that he fears the change that would happen if he actually spoke up about it as well. But Catherine and Eddie take Theo to one side and just reassure him about everything, including Eddie's new job, because Theo thinks that the job is going to take him away and it means he's going to be touring and things like that again. But they reassure him that they'll get through it as a family. Episode 12, Guilty. So the gang are making up excuses to try and rally round Gary. For instance, Dee has decided that it would be a good idea if Catherine and Eddie met her at Gary's apartment so that they could exchange the baby and do whatever they need to do. But actually, it's more sort of an intervention. They know that Gary's in a tough spot and they know that as soon as he is, he's going to start watching a film. It's a trashy courtroom drama, but he's watching it for one reason, and that's the fact that his mother, Alice, is in it, played by Marcia Gay Harden, and he's obsessed with it every time he has an issue, he watches this film. When Dee turns it off, he yells at her and throws the fact that Sophie isn't living with her anymore back in her face, but she calmly takes it on the chin and tells him that maybe he's the problem and that he needs to speak to his mother. Dee has found his mother, and since she is in New York, Rome, Dee, and Gary end up going on a road trip. Once he gets there, he finds that his mum is doing a show on Broadway, and Dee just goes along as moral support for him. He goes to see her, and when he confronts her, saying that she never tried to come see him, she tells him a story of the fact that she actually did one time come through. She saw him just about a year after she left and he was out in the street playing hockey with his friends and she thought that she didn't want to bother him and that he was better off without her. Gary tells her that that wasn't the case. He needed her and he wished she'd got out of the car and just come and saw him. She asks for a second chance and asks him to come to dinner with her, which originally he refuses. Dee and Gary speak some more about the whole situation and she tells him that she believes that he pushed Maggie away because of the unresolved issues that he had with his mother and that he thought it would probably be for the best if he let Maggie go before she could hurt him and leave. Gary goes back to see Alice about the dinner and they're just about to head out when Alice gets some exciting news. There's a big opportunity for her to meet with a producer which could mean that the play that she's doing could go as big as something like Hamilton. And when she looks at Gary to ask for his permission, he just gives her it. He's now realised that he's blamed himself for way too long, and he tells Dee just as much that he needs to stop. As they get back to Boston, Dee gets a call from Maggie, with Gary in the car, and Dee seems very concerned about what's going on. But it's Gary who goes to see Maggie, and he apologises to her for everything that's happened, and tells her he should have handled things a lot better. Okay, so it's a rare opportunity to actually cover Gina and Rome as separate entities here, because they're very rarely apart. At the beginning of the episode, we see Gina trying to figure out what she's going to tell her mum about adopting. But when she actually sees her mum, her mum pulls a swerve on her, because as soon as she says that she is going to adopt, her mum can't believe it. She's over the moon. She's going to be a grandma. She's so chuffed. And Gina really wasn't expecting it. Now, when she first met with her mum, she was meeting her at a restaurant. And Gina walked up to the maitre d' and and asked if her mother had shown up yet. And it was at that point that the girl turned around and looked into the restaurant and said, no, no one is here yet for you. Not realising, obviously, that Gina's mum was white and Gina is mixed race. Gina's mum suggests that they go shopping for some new baby stuff. 
even though they're not sure if they're getting a baby anytime soon or what orientation it's going to be, whether it's going to be a boy or a girl or whatever. So Gina's trying to rein her mum in a little bit, but her mum's just so excited that she goes all out for her. She takes her to a shop and they start going around looking at baby stuff. And again, the store assistant assumes that they aren't related. And once again, Gina has to tell them that this is her mother. And Gina tells her mum that she's lived a different life to what her mum has and tells a story of how one time her mum was trying to get her hair done. And because she doesn't understand the culture and everything that goes with being in the black community, she took her to a salon and the girls there basically fried Gina's hair because they didn't know how to treat it. And Gina ended up having to shave all her hair off and grow it back again. So her mother starts to understand that she hasn't been the best role model for her daughter, and she hopes to fix that with her granddaughter by being the best grandmother she can be, but she also knows that she's neglected Gina a lot, and she wants to put the work back in to get things back with her daughter. So like I said, I'm splitting Rome and Gina up for this part, because, as we saw in a previous episode... Rome went to speak to someone, an old friend of his called Todd, about his script. And Todd told him that the suicide angle was too much and that he needs to do a sports movie. So when he finds out that Todd is selling a sports movie where a group of friends rally around their friend who has gotten injured so that he can come back bigger and better than ever and a lot of the script is a lot of the words that Rome has used. Rome gets pissed off. And that's why when the option to go to New York comes up, he takes it. And that's why he goes with Dee and Gary. So Rome goes to Todd's office and confronts him. And he threatens to sue Todd. But Todd tells him that you can't copyright an idea. And now this movie is about to get made. And not only that, it's with the lead that Rome originally touted for his own movie. Rome finds out that Todd is about to go for dinner with the lead actor. And so he decides to interrupt. He walks into the restaurant and basically lays out everything about his own script in front of this guy and then just drops the mic and walks away. It's very baller move in all fairness. So now that this lead actor knows what this guy was trying to sell was bullshit, he actually gives Rome a ring and tells him that he wants to read what Rome's written because he thinks it's going to be good. And when Rome tells him there's no cash behind it, he tells him, don't worry about that. I'm willing to produce something as well. So Rome's movie might be getting off the ground. Maggie is trying to get hold of Eric, but he's not answering his phone. So because he's trying to avoid her, Maggie decides to cut him off at the pass and goes to his apartment, but finds out that he's actually decided to move. So he's just got boxes and boxes everywhere. He tells Maggie that the place he's currently in is the place that he lived with Chloe, and that's why he wants to leave, because there's too many memories, and he just feels that he can't move on. And Maggie begins to think that maybe that's why nothing happened with them the other night. As they get to talking, Maggie admits that she has feelings for Eric, and he seems to reciprocate them. But just then, she finds a photo, and it's of Eric, and he's shirtless. And of course... She sees no scar on it, and before Eric can explain anything, she runs out. Eric goes to Maggie's, and she tells him to leave, and then he tells her how he actually met Maggie's mom. 
So in the hospital, on the day when Chad got brought in, he and Chloe were in the hospital, and it was getting very close for Chloe by the looks of things. She needed a heart transplant as soon as possible, but it was looking like there was going to be no hope. And then on the day that Chad got brought in, they got the text message to say that actually there was a heart available. And it was only years later when he got into an accident with Chloe on the back of his bike and she ended up dying from that. It was at that point, it was at that, point that Maggie's mum had contacted him and he didn't want to admit what had happened. So he went along with the lie, thinking that it would just sort of fizzle out. But then he met Maggie, and he tells her that he loves her, and he leaves. And then, of course, she contacts Dee, and this is where Gary finds out what's happened. And he comes over, and he sees Maggie before he leaves. Episode 13, Daisy. So we start the episode with Gary and Colin. They're out for a run, and they bump into Maggie. They still seem to share similar opinions on things. For instance, there's people running past and they're just giving comments on whatever's going on. And they seem to be still in sync. Maggie mentions about a party that they're both meant to be going to. And it's for a cancer survivor friend of theirs. It's her five year anniversary since beating cancer. But Gary is thinking about not going because of the fact that Maggie's going to be there. And also there's going to be so many questions around what happened with them, why they're not together anymore, and he just doesn't want to face it all. Gary goes and sees the guys and tells them that he spoke to Maggie, and (laughs) the way that they act is so... If you saw a teen girl movie and they had gossip, it was a bit like that, and it was really quite cute. They were just so excited for him and they wanted to know all the details. And then you get Maggie's side of things where she's talking to Gina and she tells them that she just wants to be friends for now. She doesn't know what's going on. So maybe friends would be best. Gary decides to go to the party and he meets Maggie at the elevators. And as they're going up, as they're going up, it's really awkward between them. And as soon as they step out of the elevator, everyone sees that they're together and they go over and they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're. and they're like, no, we're not back together. And they were just so excited to see them back together, but they aren't. And then they start to have a laugh at Gary's expense, saying, oh, he's ruined another relationship and he's lost a good one and all this kind of stuff. And when Maggie says, actually, it was me who split us up, they still turn on Gary. And not in a malicious way, but they're just poking fun at him and it's, he gets a little bit tired of it and he walks away. So later on, they're sat down for a meal and Gary and Maggie are trying to talk and she suggests maybe we just have small talk and do nothing else. You know, you talk to me for a bit and then you can turn to the other side and speak to the person on the other side of you. That way, you know, you're just being friendly. So he does that and just before he turns around to the guy on his left, he tells Maggie that he saw his mum and she's astounded and wants to talk more about it, but obviously he's playing her game, so he just turns away and talks to the other guy. Maggie and Gary are seen together most of the night, in fairness, but they really come together when the woman whose party is starts smashing a piñata, which is dressed up like a bottle of pills, and as she's smashing it, she is getting more and more frustrated that the goddamn thing won't break, and... She starts to fear that maybe this is a sign and that it could come back. 
she's had the diagnosis of she's safe but it might come back and she's scared so Gary and Maggie both rally around and give her the support that she needs and give her the lift that she needs which is what the group's all about and she smashes the piñata and they all have a great night and they're all having drinks, eating food, dancing, whatever. And it just shows what Gary and Maggie could do if they were still together or whenever they are a team. Gary and Maggie leave together as well. And when they're in the elevator, all of a sudden the power goes out and once again they're stuck in an elevator. And instead of it being John and the guys, this time it's Maggie. And he tells her exactly how he feels. He tells her he loves her tells her he wants to try again and then they kiss and then you realize it's just a daydream and they're still in the elevator they're just heading down to the lobby and as they get to the bottom maggie actually tells him that she just wants to be friends and see where it goes so rome and gina are getting excited because they're going to be meeting eve eve is in the eighth month of her pregnancy and is looking for someone to take the baby once she's had it and she's seen Rome and Gina's tape and she thinks they're the ones. When they eventually meet, they meet at a cafe and Rome is particularly awkward. Again, like I said earlier, he gives this sort of goofy, wants to tell dad jokes, sort of nervous energy and it's it's so sweet. But it looks like a dork and I love it. I'm here for it. But things get even more awkward when Rome decides we should get a coffee. And as he goes to order, he then realises that she actually works at the coffee shop. Eventually they sit down and start talking about the father. Because, obviously, the father isn't in the picture at this point. And when Gina asks the question, Eve really gets cagey about it all. And... They can't figure out why. She just basically says that he was an athlete and he was he's he's all well and he's fit and there's nothing to worry about. Rome and Gina get a little bit antsy at this point because they're worried that if they do take the baby and then all of a sudden the father shows up, it could be an issue. And they're told as much by the people who are arranging this foster. So Gina starts to get a little bit cold feet. And Rome questions her commitment to it. And she says that it might be just that they don't get this chance this time. But Rome is adamant that she is perfect. And that hopefully this is the right one. But Gina tells him no. There's too much at risk here. She wants the baby. But this isn't the right one. He finds out that the adoption is going to be off. And calls Gina and Rome to talk about things. And explain what's been going on. Rome and Gina go and meet her again and she tells them that she's on the run from her ex and that he was abusive and that she needs to be safe from him and the baby needs to be safe. He doesn't even know that she is pregnant. Rome and Gina decide that they are going to go forward with the adoption and they tell Eve and just as the episode ends, Eve gets a phone call and is freaked out by the number that's coming through because it's her ex. So with things starting to escalate with Theo, Eddie and Catherine have decided that he's going to need to go and speak to someone. So they organise a therapist recommended by Maggie, who's good with children. But when they mention it in front of Theo, he tells them he's not going to go. So Catherine tells Theo that since he doesn't need to go, she's going to go instead. But she needs him there 
because he'll be moral support, which he agrees to. So when they get there, Catherine starts talking about big changes at work and about getting mad while at work. So Theo can hear everything and start his brain working with regards what he feels and how he feels and that it's a similar situation to what his mum is going through. The therapist plays along and starts asking questions and when the therapist suggests that you should talk about your problems, Theo pipes up believing that if you talk about a problem, it makes it more of a problem. He doesn't understand that if he's sharing a problem, that maybe it can become less of a problem. So Theo starts to open up a little bit more, and now the therapist is actually sat with Theo, talking about everything that's been going on. And when Theo is told that he deserves to be happy, he tells the therapist that he's unsure about that, which leaves Catherine to wonder what she's done to her child. And it's at this point that she starts blaming herself when she speaks to Eddie because she feels that she's made him bottle things up. And that is what started this whole thing. Dee is visiting her father, played by Paul Guilfoyle in this episode. Yes, Jim Brass from CSI, as opposed to Gerald McCraney, who played him in the first series. Now, I forgot after the first series that the actor changed. And it was a really nice surprise to see Jim Brass from CSI. That's how he'll always be known to me. And he played a really good part. It's unfortunate because, obviously, as people age, a lot of actors will end up playing a role like that. And I think now he played it in this, and I think he played it in CSI, the new series, the Vegas series. But it's nice to see him on the screen. But, of course, as Dee's father, his memory is getting worse. Alzheimer's is something that has affected my family and it is fucking shit. It's now got to a point where he's not even remembering some of the old stories that he used to tell. So it just shows how far it's gone. And Dee is really starting to worry about him. And she tells Gina as much when she meets her at the restaurant. At the restaurant is also Sophie. Now Sophie has turned up on what seems to be her day off. Or turned up early for her shift. And Gina thinks it's because... D is in early and she knows that she might catch a glimpse of her and maybe even talk to her. Sophie's very civil throughout the whole conversation with D, even though it is very minimal. But it turns out that she wasn't there to see D, even though it was a nice exchange between the two. She was actually in the cold store kissing one of the chefs. So afterwards, D tries to speak to Sophie, but, but Sophie tells her basically that she has no right to tell her who she can and can't date, especially after the whole thing with Eddie. And just as they're about to get into it, Dee receives a phone call, and it's from the retirement village where her dad lives. It seems that he's gone missing, so obviously Dee rushes out to try and get to him, but Sophie goes with her. As Dee goes off to go and review the security footage as to where her dad might have gone, Sophie starts looking around the apartment, and as she does, she checks the fridge, and as soon as she does, she realises where he is straight away. So she rushes out and is caught on camera, jumping into Dee's car and driving off. Dee runs out after her, but can't catch her in time. Sophie drives down to a deli and finds her grandfather there. She meets up with him and he says, how did you know I'd be here? And she says it's pizza night. So it was a Friday for them. Friday night's pizza night, as we established in season one. So Sophie gets her grandfather in the car and takes him back to the care facility. While they're on the way back, Sophie's grandfather starts talking to her and he begins to reveal 
something that Sophie didn't know. Her mum and her dad had been in conversation, had been in conversation maybe a year or two ago about how she wanted to leave John because she was miserable. And Dee's dad started talking about, why haven't you left him yet? If you want to go, go. You can't keep living like this. Thinking he's talking to Dee and not Sophie. And it's here that Sophie realises how miserable her mother was with her dad and how much time he hadn't spent with her. It's here that Sophie starts to rethink about how she treated her mum. Sophie gets him back to the facility, safe and sound, and Dee and Sophie share a moment together. Sophie understands what her mum's been going through with her dad, with the fact that her husband died, with the fact that she's given birth to his best friend's child and, and his wife is part of their group and that she's had to tell her children and Eddie's child in some way. She realises she's been difficult to her mother and tells her that she's going to come home tonight. While she's at home, Sophie starts telling Charlie a story just to get her off to sleep. It's the story that her grandfather always told and it's the story that Dee was trying to get out of him earlier on in the episode. And it was how her grandparents met and how Dee's parents met. And not only that, it was how Dee came to be in the world, but also how Delilah got her middle name. Daisy, and how her dad always used to call her Dee Dee. Episode 14, The Sleepover. So Eva's having probably what is her final scan, but in all fairness, I wouldn't know. I've never been pregnant, and I've never been in a situation where I've had someone who's pregnant. But both Gina and Rome are in the room with her, and when asked if they want to know the sex of the baby, both Rome and Gina are excited to do so. But Eve just doesn't want to know. She feels like it would be too much of an attachment. So towards the end of the scan, as Eve sits up, her gown slips and reveals the extent to the damage of what her boyfriend, Derek, had done to her. And it seems like there's a massive burn mark on her shoulder. Gina and Rome drive Eve to work, but just as they're about to pull in and drop her off, Eva screams from the back of the car, saying to drive on. As she spots a vehicle in the distance, parked up outside the restaurant, and it's Derek's. And Eve tells them both of the night when she left Derek, and that the burn mark on her shoulder was from boiling water, while she just found out that she was pregnant. She knew that she didn't want that for her baby, and needed to get out of there. But now that Derek's in Boston, she tells Gina and Rome that she needs to get out of Boston as quickly as possible. She can't stay, and as soon as she has the baby... She'll let Rome and Gina know and they can come and collect the baby. But for now, she just can't stay. Rome and Gina ask her to reconsider, but she seems adamant to leave. Gina shares her story with Eve about what happened with her and her uncle. And they bond a little bit over their past trauma. And at this point, the baby starts to kick. And Eve allows Gina to put her hand on her belly to feel what essentially would be her baby kicking. Rome, however, has gone out to go and get some stuff from Eve's apartment so that she can stay over with them the night and then in the morning reassess. But when he came back, he told Gina that he totally understands why Eve is so paranoid. He'd only been out for, say, 40 minutes and throughout the whole time, he felt paranoid that this guy was going to come in and burst in on him at the flat or follow him back to their own flat. So he understands why Eve needs to get out of there as soon as possible. But Gina plans to get a restraining order against Derek. So she calls Catherine 
and Catherine comes over and helps them fill out the paperwork. Catherine tells them that she can get a quick restraining order against Derek, but then they'll have to file full paperwork to get a full-time restraining order against him. But for now, there is something they can put in place. But for now, there is something they can put in place to keep her safe. Eve decides to stay with Rome and Gina and to ensure that she's safe at all times. They get her helping out in the restaurant. So Dakota, the girl who Eddie has been asked to mentor, is coming over to his house. Now, when she arrives, Theo is really excited. He is going to be part of the he is going to be part of the group that is jamming in Eddie's studio. So he's really excited to see Dakota. They head out and Eddie and Catherine exchange a look of he's got a little bit of a crush. But when they actually start their session, Theo starts to see the chemistry between Eddie and Dakota. And he starts getting frustrated by the flirtation that's happening between the two of them. And he calls them out on it. After they head back into the house, Theo starts acting hostile towards Dakota. And this time, Eddie calls him out on it. Because Theo is just being mean to her for no apparent reason. And Eddie asks, why are you being so hostile to my friend? To which Theo replies, are you friends like you and Aunt Dee were? Are you going to have another baby with her? So it's quite clear that Theo is seeing a lot more than he lets on. And it's obvious why he feels like things are changing so quickly. Catherine tells Eddie that they need to deal with this situation, but they have to do it together. Show a united front and just show that what happened with Dee was a mistake. Charlie's not a mistake and neither is Theo, but the situation wasn't right. But when Catherine comes home from seeing Gina, they're about to go and tuck Theo into bed and Theo refuses to let his dad come up and he just wants his mum. Catherine speaks to him while he's in bed and asks him if he remembers Uncle John and tells him that Uncle John was her best friend. But that's all they were. They were just friends. And that's all that Dakota and Eddie are. They're just friends. In fact, they're just work colleagues and he doesn't have to be scared. But Theo tells her that he doesn't want anything bad to happen because he doesn't want her to go to the Grand Canyon again, which says that he knows more about that whole situation. Eddie tells Catherine that he wants to quit this whole Dakota situation because it's not fair. If it's affecting his son, he doesn't want any part of it anymore. But Catherine tells him that she needs him to continue because right now she can afford to be at home more and if he's not working she's gonna have to go back for more overtime which means spending less time with Theo. So Eddie speaks to Theo about the hurt that he's caused him and he hopes Theo can forgive him for everything that happened. Catherine has forgiven him and his friends have forgiven him and he just hopes that his son can to which Theo agrees that he'll try. We see that Maggie is having an MRI but while she's in the hospital, there's no one else there with her, and we're unsure of what is going on. Obviously, with her previous diagnosis, we can only assume the worst. When she comes out and sits in the waiting room, she decides to call Dee after seeing a woman who is in the middle of her cancer treatment and looks pretty rough. Maggie knows that she needs someone there, so she calls Dee and asks her for support. At the time, Gary is at the house, doing different bits and bobs, trying to help them out, trying to fix stuff for them, and Dee leaves Gary in charge of the house. Before she goes, Gary tells Dee 
to let Maggie know that he's thinking of her. And it's here that Dee realises why he's been there all day. He's worried about her, and he knew that this was her six-month checkup. But he also knew that he couldn't be there for her, so he's glad that she reached out. Once Dee gets there and she's sat with the doctor, Maggie gets the good news that she's doing great and all her results have come back fine and things are going in the right direction. And just as she's about to move on and go and live the rest of her life, she gets the immediate question of, when can you do your next six months check? And it's like the whole world is brought back to a reality of, yep, you're fine, but actually, you might not be. Like I said before, I've never had cancer. And the people in my life who have been affected by it, it was always when I was younger, so I never understood. But to have that joy ripped out from you straight away must be so crushing because you think you've beaten it, but it might be back soon. It's horrible. It's horrible wasting disease. Maggie tells Dee that she's terrified at the fact that she has to live her life in six-month chunks. But she asks Dee to let Gary know that her diagnosis has gone fine. And when Dee says, why don't you tell him yourself? She says, we need to define our relationship beyond just the cancer. That's how they met and that's how they've lived for so long that they need to do something without it. But when Maggie gets home, she realises that it should have been her that called Gary. And she just calls him and she explains that it should have been her. And Gary tells her that it may not seem it, but it does get easier. Now that she's got past the hard part, beating cancer, living six months to six months isn't going to be that hard. So as I said, Gary is at D's. He's been there all morning and he's just been fixing stuff. While he's there, Sophie's talking to him, but she's also distracted by her phone. And she's talking to a guy called Jake, who is the chef that she was kissing in the restaurant. It seems that they're now dating. Danny asks Dee if he can have a sleepover that night and Dee's ecstatic at the thought she of course he can have a sleepover not thinking about the fact that Danny's gay so of course when he says I can't wait to tell Elliot she realizes her mistake and Gary obviously being Gary mocks her for it that she's gonna have to keep an eye on these two but when she goes to see Danny to give him a few ground rules she finds that he's devastated because when he told Elliot that they could have a sleepover he finds out that Elliot is moving and they won't be able to see each other after tonight. But they seem to have a really good night and it is and it is a perfect goodbye. They sit up watching movies all night, eating popcorn and sleep on the sofa next to each other, just holding hands with Gary on the sofa as well though. But it's a sweet moment between Danny and Gary when Gary's trying to be in the background just to keep an eye on them and Danny asks, you should come sit with us because you were there on our first date and I'd like you to be there on our last. So after the sleepover and Danny has said goodbye to Elliot, Dee starts cleaning up and Gary tells her that he's found something from the previous night and that although Sophie is now home, there was something hidden in her sleeping bag which Gary ended up sleeping in that night and he shows her the pot cigarettes that he's got and then tells her it's good that she's back. Okay, so we're running really long on this episode but I usually praise the main actors in the show but this time I'm going to actually praise 
the younger actors because I think they've all done an incredible job with the storylines that they've been given. And, you know, for the main storylines and the main characters, they'll have done these things in other shows or in film or whatever or in plays. Whereas Lizzie, Chance and Tristan have all probably not done these kind of roles before or anything too highly intense. And obviously Lizzie is playing a teenager in this and she's going through a hell of a lot, you know, towards the back end of her teen years where, you know, she's got boys interested in her and she is going against her mum's rules and doesn't want to do what her mum says because of the fact that her mum has a past of her own. And then you've got Chance, who is playing a character who's gay. Now, I'm not entirely sure of Chance's real orientation, but it must be a weird situation to be in to have to play a gay character for such a young child. And again, I don't know what his orientation is, so it might be that he's just playing to his own character. But it's fascinating. It's such a good watch. And he plays it so well. And it makes me really proud to watch someone so young being so confident. And yeah, he falters every now and again, but we all do. It's beautiful. It really is. And then you've got Tristan, who is just this super switched on child as Theo. And he's he outsmarts his parents some of the time and the emotions that he must have to go through to get to where he is. Like the storyline that he's taken of he's just a quiet little boy that doesn't want to bother anyone to now he's having to show full emotion while trying to suppress it at the same time. And the character is so switched on and so smart. It's it's astounding they've found such good cast and you know the younger cast within it are just as good as the rest so like i say i wanted to keep it short and sweet this week it's been a long episode and yeah i just such a good show watch it enjoy it it'll make you laugh it'll make you cry and it'll make you think a lot so i hope you enjoyed this episode please come find me on the socials um come say hi keep listening to the episodes and I really, really hope to hear from you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, that's all for now, amigos. If you manage to make it to the end of my ramblings, thank you. And if you want to rate, share, subscribe, comment, it's all appreciated. Until next time.